Welcome to episode 8 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian, a PCA church plant in Charleston, South Carolina. My name is Ross Hodges, and I'm here with my brothers Gabriel Williams and John Payne. And uh, last episode, or one of the last episodes, we opened up talking about some of the books we're reading. And Gabe, I don't know if you know it, but I've got one for our summer reading list. Uh, it's put out by Zondervan. It's called Sports Heroes Soccer. Oh, wow. And uh, one of the chapters actually is, is on John Payne, cover boy soccer player. <laughs> And I don't know about you, but this is definitely going on my summer oh, reading list. Definitely. That's worth buying just for the, just for the picture. Yeah. So, Ross, I can autograph it for you later. Would you? Okay. I, I was, I was going to ask you if you'd be willing to do that. Um, we are excited to, uh, today to be able to interview our cover boy soccer player, uh, <laughs> Reverend Dr. John Payne. And uh, in all seriousness, uh, Pastor John, if our listeners don't know, has... A wonderful testimony of God's grace and goodness uh, to him as uh, we all have a testimony of God's goodness and grace to us but we are looking forward to hearing his story and uh, John maybe we should just start off by asking you um, you know this this book is uh, in all seriousness it's about Christian athletes professional athletes and uh, and you actually are featured in this book so it seems like soccer probably played somewhat of a big part in your life. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it did uh, play a big part of my life. Now uh, it's fun to watch my son Hans uh, playing as well, and it's been fun to watch him uh, progress. But uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in, in California, in Santa Clara. The left coast. The, the left coast, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, Santa Clara, of course, is in Silicon Valley. I've I grew up uh, right down the street from uh, Hewlett Packard and mm-hmm. went to Cupertino High School where uh, just really a block from from Apple computers mm-hmm. and where that grew up uh, back in the 80s um, and uh, my dad uh, who is now with the Lord uh, he was a sports writer mm-hmm. and worked for the San Jose Mercury News uh, one of the largest newspapers in the country and and he covered uh, NFL football and uh, college sports and uh, high school sports as well, and uh, so I was around sports uh, all the time. It was mm-hmm. it was really just a huge, a huge part of my life. My mom, um, uh, who's living down in uh, Bluffton, South Carolina, Hilton Head area, uh, still is a registered nurse and um, doesn't work full time, but uh, still has her hand in that a little bit. And and so yeah, I grew up in a in a in a loving home in Santa Clara, California, and went to the Lutheran Church in the Missouri Synod. So received a, a, a godly um, uh, heritage in my family, uh, grew up memorizing Luther's Shorter Catechism and really uh, getting some solid uh, preaching on, particularly on the doctrine of justification and, mm. and so forth. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, that upbringing and um, have lots of fond memories. Yeah, and so uh, you grew up around sports, and uh, you, from a very early age, were involved uh, very heavily in soccer. Is that right? Yeah, I started playing when I was seven years old. Okay. And really, I I was involved with various sports growing up, but that that quickly became sort of the main one that I was focused on, and and yeah, really for the next twenty years, it 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 became that which uh, was a large large part of my life, uh, practicing and tournaments, games, traveling, and, uh, traveling quite a bit. Yep. I, 
uh, went on when I was in my mid-teen years, when I was uh, 16 years old, went on through a series of tryouts over about a year's time uh, to make the uh, U.S. Uh, youth national team, wow. under-17 yeah. national team. and So at the time, uh, that would have been the, the, the top 18 players in our age group from the United States. And um, we, my sophomore year, I missed about two months of my sophomore year of high school because I was in Honduras with the team. We were, at one point we went down for some practice games and played in the Estadio Nacional down there, the, the national stadium in Tegucigalpa, where, by the way, Aaron Halbert That's right, our missionary. was a youth, a, a, a young child, when I was down there as a teenager oh, wow. playing. Yeah. And uh, if I remember correctly, last time I spoke with him, he actually recalled when that went on down there because the World Cup qualifiers were in Honduras mm. back in uh, 19, let's see, it would have been 1987. And uh, he, he was five years old at the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they took a five-year-old. They took a five-year-old. That's, five That's how good you were. And uh, <laughs> I always wondered, you know, when my parents talked about things happening 30 years ago, like that was, you know, like an, an eternity. Now it <laughs> seems actually <laughs> a very reasonable thing to talk about. Uh, but went down there, and and we we actually qualified. Uh, we played against Honduras, El Salvador, uh, Mexico. And, uh, and Trinidad and Tobago, and mm. we qualified with Mexico for the Youth World Cup, wow. uh, which took place on the eastern shore of Canada in St. John's, New Brunswick. I got mononucleosis and could not play in that tournament. Uh, uh, so after a year of, of, of playing, probably what, of course, would have been one of the biggest events, sporting events of my life, I, I could not play because I was sick. But uh, then went on from there and, uh, and went to Clemson University. That's right. And... Um if we understand the Lord's sovereign providence, He brought you to Clemson and uh, there changed your life forever. He did. And it was interesting because uh, the two, two of the schools I was looking at primarily were Clemson and South Carolina. I, I had yeah. no idea the kind of rivalry <laughs> uh, that existed between these two schools. And um, I'm just so thankful that I did choose Clemson because it is so superior uh, <laughs> to South Carolina. And as my son says, who would want a chicken for their mascot? I mean, it's just really, it's hard to believe that they would have a chicken for their mascot. But anyway, um, it was just after my sophomore year uh, at Clemson. Uh, again, playing playing uh, soccer at Clemson was involved in all kinds of of, of heinous sin, uh, living, going 110 miles an hour in the wrong direction, uh, partying with my soccer buddies, uh, living in the dorm, uh, and it was just after my sophomore year that I was converted and. To, to back up just a little bit, really it was it was in high school that I began walking uh, on, a, on a seriously sinful path. Uh, mm -hmm. I got caught up in a lot of worldliness. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the world of athletics can be a very worldly uh, place. Uh, so I, I, I had a tremendous amount of pride and arrogance. And because soccer was going so well, I was so successful in that. My, my senior year in high school, I was the California Gatorade State Player of the Year. Mm. Uh, I was an All-American 
and um, mm-hmm. as well as was the the MVP of the, the Olympic Sports Festival, which had wow. notable mm-hmm. guys on my team like Kobe Jones and Joe Max Moore and oh, okay. and um, uh, Eric nice. Lapper and uh, Brad Friedel. Uh, wow. Casey Keller, these these guys were all your teammates, uh, teammates and friends, oh, wow. and and okay. so that was kind of the, the, the one of the pinnacles of, of of my soccer life. That was just before I entered Clemson. So I entered Clemson. The next couple of years just went crazy. My my first semester at Clemson, I had a point six grade point average. <laughs> oh man! So so wait, you mean like two point six? So, right? so for those of you who don't quite understand what that means, that is below a one point zero. That is a point six. I think I had like a all Fs and a, and a D like in PE or something. <laughs> uh, so. My life was sort of spiraling. Soccer was going well, but I was just living the party life. wasn't going to class and those kinds of things. I remember going to my my final exam for a math uh, class, and I forgot my number two pencil halfway to class. I decided to go back and go to bed. I didn't even take the exam. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, um, I'm still in remedial training and studying, (laughs) by the way. So... I began dating a girl, and she was a part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and she had no business dating me. Uh, there was no way she should have been dating me, but, but she was, and she was bringing me to, to the big FCA meetings at Clemson. FCA is, is one of the biggest uh, ministries on campus and in the country. Uh, at the time, there were eight or 900 students coming wow. on Thursday nights at 9.19 on Thursday nights. Mm. And I would come sometimes having uh, had a few beers already. Mm-hmm. And so I would look around and think, these people are all so goofy. They're singing about Jesus, and these messages are are, are just a waste. And um, that was kind of where I was. Well, just after my sophomore year, I was out partying with some friends. And uh, it's the old story. We, we walk outside to the car, and it was a girl's car that I was friends with. And... And she said, "I'm too drunk to drive." I said, "Well, I'm I'm not, I'm not uh, that drunk. I'll, I'll go ahead and drive." And so uh, she said, "Okay." And then two two other friends got in the back seat. None of us had our seatbelts on. Mm-hmm. And about a block from my townhouse, uh, drove off the road. It was raining, going about 55, 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Tried to compensate and go back on the road. Overcompensated, and the car flipped three times. Mm. And mm. and skidded on the roof of the car mm. into a parking lot, and I suddenly heard the girl in the back seat begin to yell the name of the girl who was no longer in the car. Mm. She was thrown from the car as it was flipping, and so uh, crawled out of the car and went over. And the girl was all bloodied on the cement and whimpering. She was still alive, and uh, suddenly. Uh, within minutes, really, uh, the ambulances showed up, uh, fire trucks, police cars, and I was uh, put in a police car and taken to jail. And this girl was taken immediately to the hospital, and the other two went to the hospital as well to get checked out. Um, and it was that night in jail, having been told that I would probably spend the next 15 years of my life in prison, and that this girl, that it was likely that she was um, going to die, mm. and that it would be my fault. Mm. And so it was at this very, very low moment that all of the doctrine that had been 
been put in my mind when I was growing up would come to bear. Uh, God came to me that night, and uh, I like to put it this way. The furniture was in the room, but the light wasn't on. Mm -hmm. The truth was there, but I didn't believe it until that night. God came by the power of his Holy Spirit, and he gave me a new heart. Mm -hmm. He gave me a new mind. He worked in me so that all that I knew at that moment was that I needed Christ mm -hmm. and that he came to die for sinners just like me. Amen. And so from there, I, I got out. It turns out this girl had minor neck surgery, and it ended up being okay. And uh, one of the folks broke their ankle, and then the other one was just fine. I was just fine. And so really an accident that should have taken all of our lives, humanly speaking, was uh, providentially something that we were able to get past pretty quickly. And so... I was radically converted, and uh, from there, charges of a felony DUI were dropped. I had to do community service, and I found out, as a man who was converted and now speaking in high schools and colleges on behalf of FCA, preaching the gospel, mm -hmm. they said that that would count for my community service. <laughs> and so I had, a I don't know, 75 or 100 hours of community service I had to do, and I did it all in the work and service of our Lord and, wow. and preaching the gospel. And it was really, at that time that I started sensing a call okay. to the ministry. Hmm. Okay. So just as kind of a basic question, you were obviously raised Lutheran, and so you apparently ended up as a Reformed Presbyterian. So how did that transition occur for you? So I was a rabid Arminian <laughs> after I was converted, like a lot of us. Yeah. <clears throat> and... I um, I was trying to figure it all out, but I, I did know that those folks with Reformed University Fellowship were crazy. <laughs> I knew that much, and I, I used all the uh, typical arguments, you know, why then do we evangelize if God is sovereign, um, my God wouldn't do that, uh, that, that kind of stuff. And then I went to an RUF retreat where uh, Mike Horton was speaking. Uh, uh, I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> a young, a young thirty or thirty-one year old uh, Mike Horton, uh, who came and did a retreat for Clemson RUF, and I went and I heard him, and he was kind enough to spend a little time with me um, about it wasn't even what he was speaking on mainly the the sovereignty of God and salvation, uh, election, predestination, those kinds of things. But I did ask him some questions. He said, "If you would just read my book, Putting Amazing Back into Grace, mm. these are the kind of questions I try to deal with in the book, and I think." that it will probably help you to think through it. Even if at the end you disagree, at least you'll know uh, the arguments from Scripture. And I read that book, and it was like I got converted all over again. <laughs> and uh, it was right at the end of my senior year at Clemson that I, I became Reformed, and I began asking uh, where I should go to church up in Charlotte because a professional soccer team uh, at the time, they've gone down to amateur now, but uh, they were professional. They were the MLS had did not exist at that point, so they were in the top outdoor league, and, and they were um, recruiting me to come play with them. And so I was looking for a church up in Charlotte, and uh, came across Christ Covenant uh, mm. with with Pastor Harry Reader, who's oh, who's okay. been a, a mentor and a friend and a pastor uh, ever since those those early days mm. back in the uh, the mid nineties. Now, when you were in Charlotte, you, you did more than just play soccer. Is that right? 
I did. I, I went to Reform Theological Seminary in Charlotte. In fact, the seminary wasn't too old uh, then. It was only a few years old, oh, having been established yeah. just a few years before I began attending, and uh, studied under uh, Dr. Douglas Kelly, who mm -hmm. has uh, been a, a mentor and a friend and a uh, part of my theological formation uh, there in my life at that time. I'll never forget first day of class with him, him praying and it brought us so into the presence of God and was so reverent I thought I want to be I want to be like this man I want to want to walk with God like this man and um, and so yeah so went to went to RTS Charlotte played soccer and also worked with the youth at Christ Covenant so you entered almost a pastoral kind yeah. of role at that point for, yeah for I mean as far as working now in the church officially uh, putting on this hat is that um, when you sense the call to the ministry full-time well I knew I wanted to be in full-time Christian vocation. I just didn't know what. I was pretty convinced I didn't want to be a pastor. <laughs> um, Harry, in fact, uh, I wonder if he would remember, he would exhort me and say, uh, son, you need to be a pastor. You need to think about being a pastor. And I always thought, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to be a teacher. You know, a lot of times when when young people are in seminary, they have this this view of, of the uh, the great seminary professor who's writing books and and changing the world and, and mm -hmm. changing the world through writing and speaking at conferences and, and 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 teaching in the seminary and so forth and and so i suppose i probably had some of those thoughts running through my mind as many do who are ambitious and probably largely sinfully so at that stage <laughs> in the life of, of, a, of a student in the maturity level um, one thing I'm, I'm trying to do now that I'm teaching at RTS uh, part-time is to encourage students in regard to this because many students come into seminary with a very uninformed and sometimes low view of the pastorate. That's right. Which is the highest calling in, mm -hmm. in, in the scriptures, right? Yeah. So, yes, I, I wanted to go into full-time Christian vocation, but it wasn't until later after... Uh, studying at uh, RTS and then going on to work in uh, youth ministry at Carriage Lane Presbyterian Church in Peachtree City, Georgia, uh, under the leadership of Doug Griffith, mm. uh, that I actually um, began thinking more strongly about uh, pastoring a church and becoming a shepherd of a congregation. And Ross, I think you and I uh, ran into each other during that time, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I, I was, um, I think I was 17 at the time, and you, you spoke at a conference, uh, Presbyterian Youth of America at Covenant College, and I remember this, this uh, blonde-headed, uh, young, energetic, uh, professional soccer player speaker who was uh, mesmerizing, and um, the, uh, it, was, it was a neat, uh, neat introduction that then we were able to have again, I guess about 12 years later. And that's around the time you met Marler, correct? That's right. So towards the end of my studies at RTS Charlotte, um, I actually had a little stint in Charleston playing pro soccer for the Charleston Battery, and uh, it was one uh, glorious Sunday at church. Yes, glorious because we were worshiping God. Yes, <laughs> of course. but also glorious because I met my future bride. Those whom you with whom you were worshiping. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And so I met Marla, and um, uh, we got married. And uh, of course, um, later we had uh, Mary Hannah, um, our oldest daughter, who's now 12, and our son Hans is uh, nine, turning 10 in August. And uh, so, so thankful uh, for her and uh, for her um, 
enormous part in the story. We we will have been married for 17 years this this fall, and so we praise the Lord for that. Uh, but now, now from there you went on, because um, I I remember you I remember you then, and I remember you were at Carriage Lane, and then I remember uh, about 12 years later, 10 years later, when I was in seminary, I saw your name uh, come up, um, and I looked up your bio, and it said you had been um, uh, to Edinburgh, Scotland, for for some some more schooling. Yes. Yeah, so about halfway through my time. Uh, at Carriage Lane Presbyterian, a wonderful three years of youth ministry and got real close with a lot of families there, still keep in touch with a lot of them. Um, I, about halfway through my time there, I, I sensed the desire to go back and to do more studies and to, to, to further prepare for pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. And so I began applying to schools and uh, the University of Edinburgh was at the top of the list. Um, hmm. And that was in part because of Dr. Kelly. He had done his PhD uh, okay. at University of Edinburgh, New College. And then uh, Lig Duncan, uh, Lig and Duncan, who's also a, a, a respected mentor and friend, sure. studied there as well. And I thought, if, if, I, can, if I can have the kind of, of piety and learning that these guys have, like that's where I want to go. And so began thinking through that. I applied to some, some different places, but ended up getting into Edinburgh. And so Marlon and I, um, back in 2001, we sold our home. Uh, we sold our two cars, uh, sold a few of our other possessions, and we um, we moved to Edinburgh. And we actually moved on September 11th, 2001. Oh. oh. <laughs> so the, after, the wow. afternoon after we arrived, we got news about the... Wow the towers being attacked and that mm-hmm. was quite an emotional experience um, mm-hmm. to see our, our country under attack like that after we had come. Some of our friends who were leaving the, the day after we did mm-hmm. didn't weren't able to arrive in Edinburgh for another two and a half, three weeks because mm-hmm. of all of the difficulties in travel and so forth, the security risks. And, wow. um, so yeah, studied there and uh, studied uh, chiefly the, uh, the sacraments um, and the theology of John Owen. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a marvelous uh, study and uh, then went on to do a doctor of ministry uh, initially through Highland Theological College and um, RTS Jackson, a joint program. And so I studied expository preaching there and so did the, the THM at the University of Edinburgh and then the demon through Highland and, and RTS uh, Jackson and, you know, was studying to be a minister of word and sacrament and was able to hopefully uh, fine-tune uh, that calling through through my studies. Mm. Mm. Uh, certainly a long way from the 0.6 GPA. <laughs> 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 I guess there's still this hope. <laughs> yeah. God's still working on it. <laughs> so I have a basic question. So, you know, we've, we've transitioned now to kind of pastoral work. What are some hobbies that you currently have. Yeah, thanks. I, I do want to mention as well that um, after Edinburgh, I w- went to um, uh, to Douglasville, Georgia. I was right. there for 10 years oh, yeah. as mm-hmm. as uh, a pastor. And um, that was the, the first, I'll never forget my first session meeting as a young 31-year-old uh, uh, pastor and uh, leading a session meeting and, and, and pretty... Uh, uh, frightened about that, so I wanted to do that properly and, and not make a fool of myself. Um, but it was uh, it was a wonderful experience to uh, to shepherd that flock for for ten years, and they had much patience with me. And 
I had a chance to grow and uh, uh, spread my wings a little bit in pastoral ministry. And, and then from there, about year nine is, is when I was um, approached about planting a church in Charleston, South Carolina. And that's, that's right. brought me here. And I, uh, Gabe, I appreciate y your question about hobbies and things I like to do. I, I, I really enjoy reading. Mm -hmm. uh, I love British history. I'm, I'm a bit of an Anglophile. I, I enjoy reading, as I mentioned uh, in a previous uh, episode, I, I'm reading a book right now on, on the Stuart uh, line of, of the royal kings and queens of, of England. And um, I also enjoy uh, spending time with my family. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife is is my best friend, and uh, we we love spending time together, just going for walks. We we are we're blessed, aren't we, brothers, to live in such a beautiful mm -hmm. place. Amen. And, and so, quite often, we will um, just get in the car and go park somewhere and and go for a walk. Uh, go for a walk on the beach. Or go walk downtown Charleston. Grab coffee. Um, really enjoy uh, kicking the ball around with my son. Mm -hmm. uh, enjoy. Um, Spending time with the kids, they they play the strings. So Hans plays the cello, and Mary Hannah plays the violin. And so they'll uh, they practice daily, and often will come in and, and play for me. And that's um, that's a wonderful blessing. So mm -hmm. various hobbies, really surrounding the family, and mm -hmm. um, you know, reading good books, and um, and spending time with my wife. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a wonderful episode. We thank you for uh, sharing with us and with the listeners uh, how the Lord has worked in your life and. We hope you'll join us next time for another episode of Between the Times.